From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is the KZYX News for Tuesday, September 21st. I'm Sarah Reif. PG&E's failure to maintain its equipment and the vegetation around its infrastructure has led to massive conflagrations in the past few years. Now the company is trying to clear fire hazards around its lines in high-fire-risk areas. But are they going too far, and is the Enhanced Vegetation Management Program even effective? The program is exempt from environmental review and forest practice rules, so those answers won't be available for some time. In June, company contractors cleared about 100 acres at the Hopland Research and Extension Center, which has been the site of ag and forestry research since 1951. I took a tour of the western boundary of the property with Director John Bailey earlier this month. They have a 25-foot right-of-way on either side of the line, and they have two lines here, and so, you know, you're looking at your lines 30 or 40 feet apart, and they went well outside that. You know, probably overall, we're looking at like 150 feet wide. So are there any research projects that were affected by this enhanced vegetation management project? I think the one that we'll have to wait and see is we have some projects uh, working with wildlife around uh, deer and tracking their movements on the property. Same thing with coyotes. And I'm anticipating we'll see some shifts, but it's going to be a while. It wasn't a direct, like, taking out any of the uh, the deer themselves or radio collars or anything like that. But, you know, with a with a big cut wide open highway through Oak Woodland, you're going to see some changes in how the wildlife behave on the property. What about erosion and, and watersheds? Is, is any of that kind of ecosystem been affected? And that's my biggest concern is this, you know, this hillside leads straight down into a creek. On most of the creeks on this side, there are ponds that are down below. And so the sediment load, if there is, and there will be some from some of these scars, that's going to go down and, and sediment up the ponds. If the ponds weren't there, then it would flow straight on into the river. A few days after my visit with Bailey, I hiked around a hilltop about a tenth of an acre at the same site with Michael Jones, the University of California Cooperative Extension Forest Advisor for Mendocino, Lake, and Sonoma Counties. We independently counted stumps on that one hilltop, and each of us came up with 39 trees that were entirely cut down, including three trees that had had 90% of their branches removed. Four or five were pretty unhealthy, and there were a couple of big ones that were close to the lines and looked like they could have fallen. Jones says the oak woodland and the area were already in trouble, with no young trees coming up to replace the mature blue oak. He described the change that PG&E made to the landscape as conversion from an oak savanna to rangeland. If we know anything about clear-cutting conversion, if you don't do fallout vegetation management, you know, you get extensive fine fuel buildup and the grasses and the shrubs come in really aggressively. Often invasive species are the first ones to colonize after disturbance. And so we already have problems with especially barbed goat grass, which is spreading around our county, um, but also some star thistle and medusa head. And there's great potential in some of these areas that they disturb that we're just going to end up with like strips of, of goat grass um, because that'll be the first thing to come back in. There's a huge surplus of biomass that we need to figure out how to manage. And so I'm not against thinning and removing fuels and removing vegetation and, and reducing competition to facilitate regeneration and using prescribed fire to manage the forest. I'm very much open to this idea of reducing fuels and fire risk. But what PG&E and some areas that they deem are high risk are doing is conversion. It's really clear cut and conversion along these right of ways that create really significant ecological impacts on the continuity of forest structure, right? These are like little clear-cut strips that that hit right through habitat. And so the, when we're talking about 
reducing fuels for fire safety, one of the more aggressive approaches is like shaded fuel breaks. But, you know, you still leave a portion of the canopy there. These are basically, you know, denuded of all their vegetation right now. So it's pretty aggressive and frankly, it's not sustainable. It's not, a, it's not ecologically or economically, this is not a sustainable management approach for them. Bailey said that over the course of about three weeks, he spent between 12 and 15 hours negotiating with the foreman of the vegetation management crew. He was able to convince him to trim some trees rather than take them out entirely, and he prevented the removal of some young trees that were part of a research project. But the public resource code is on PG&E's side, and he was in a bind that a lot of landowners and property managers find themselves in. I don't want to be the place where catastrophic fires start and it turns out that we pushed back too hard against PG&E and they didn't do what they said they should have done. So it's the, it's this really tricky balance of protecting your le- ecological values on your individual site, but also being aware of the larger societal value of having our distribution and transmission lines be as safe as they can. And Jones points out that in a way, PG&E is fulfilling its social contract in a society that has not prioritized adapting to a fire-prone landscape. I'm not saying that they're not at fault, right? This certainly is their history of how they've managed their infrastructure and how they've kind of also been interacting with the environment and the fire-adapted ecosystem is certainly coming into play. And the way they've approached working with um, fuels and vegetation in the past is certainly a huge factor here. And so I think there's not only accountability for them, but as a society, there's accountability on us. And we need to all sit down at the table and try to really have a conversation about how we can do this better. There are a few other factors at work, too. We're just reaching the point where we've created so many uh, large-scale problems that the solutions themselves, whatever solutions we can come up with, create bad ecological impacts as well. We're just in this era where we're running out of good choices to make. For KZYX News, I'm Sarah Wright. For all our local news with photos and more, visit kzyx.org. You can also subscribe to the KZYX News podcast wherever you get your podcasts.